0: Well, aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? All right. The tide is rising, and it is a good thing. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I can't wait till next week. When We gather all the body together. It's going to be a party. So get here early. If you have not yet stepped into the waters of baptism as a believer, I want to encourage you to do so. It is vitally important. We've got several already who are taking that step uh, next Sunday, and so come, be a part of that. Call me, talk to me, let me know. That's what you're hearing. Today we're going to continue our study and actually complete it on 3G, the Gospel Network. On 522, Pastor Sam came and preached a message to us that just undid our hearts around the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Last week, I brought a message on the second G, the Great Commission, about how God has said to go, I have sent you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. For lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age this morning, we're going to continue with the third G in this 3G network. There's the great commandment, there's the great commission, and then the third is God's great concern. Most of us have heard about the commandment and the commission, but some of us may be less familiar with the concept of the great concern. So I want to open your heart to that this morning or invite the Lord to open our hearts to that. And would you just, in a posture of um, preparing to receive the word, would you just open your hands, please? Don't do it for me. Just do it for the Lord and for yourself. Just to posture yourself to say, Lord, you are the living, eternal word. We welcome you to come with your particular and specific word for this day, for this hour, for this moment, for this people. Oh Jesus, we want to attach our hearts and lives to yours. We want to be about not building our kingdom, but cooperating with you as you build yours. So Jesus, open our minds today. Open our, expand our vision, expand our spirit, expand our hearts, expand our understanding, expand our obedience to you today. Lord Jesus, as you speak to us and share with us, we pray in the name of the Lord. Amen. This morning we're going to close the message at the table, which is going to make perfect sense as we walk this through together this morning. I want to begin by sharing a couple of verses that are found at the top of your bulletin as well. Micah 6.8 is one of those that is very familiar to many of you and really serves as an encapsulation of what God expects from us. He says, He has showed you, O man, O woman, O young person, O child, O older person, O human. He has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god to act justly to love mercy to walk humbly with your god the new testament gives us a similar encouragement and exhortation in james 1:27 The Apostle James says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So when we're talking about the great concern, what are we talking about? We're talking specifically about God's heart... For the poor and the powerless. If you've been reading along with us in Saturate, and tonight is our last Saturate meeting at 6 o'clock, I encourage you to come back. We as a congregation are walking through the Bible together, reading it together, congregationally, corporately. We've read through the whole New Testament, and now we are just finishing reading the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, so we're reading Deuteronomy. And if you've read it all Along the way, and as you continue to read through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, you're going to discover that God always is standing alongside of those who are poor and powerless. I don't know how this works in God's head, and I don't know that He takes sides, but if He takes sides, that's where He stands. Very clear throughout the scriptures that this is his heart i don't think god by the way shows partiality he loves all but his concern his heart concern is towards those who are poor and powerless so how how do we how do we begin to shape our lives Around God's concern, because I don't know about you, but if God's concerned about something, I want to be concerned about that as well, don't you? it's, It's helpful when our lives are oriented around and aligned around what's important to God. And in order for that to happen, there's two simple things. And so this is going to be a very simple message before we come into the word this morning. But the first thing that needs to happen is we all need to go through AA. Every single one of us needs to go through an attitude adjustment. Okay? And the word, the scripture is very clear about this. This is continuing on in James. This is James 2, 1 to 13. My brothers, my sisters, my friends, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Is that kind of clear? (laughs) I don't know, you know, I think we better spend some time trying to interpret that. We got to get a bit, it's pretty direct, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. What are you going to do about that? How are you going to respond? If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, well, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. Haven't you discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear friends. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised those who love Him? Hasn't God chosen those who are poor to be rich in faith? I heard Heart of the City on Friday night. I was at their CD release party out at Woodland Hills, and one of the singers there who's African American just shared about how from the African American heritage and tradition, out of the awfulness of slavery, out of the horror of of that, that, that whole institutionalized reality that was a part of our history. Oh, but that was then. Well, yeah, we'll have that discussion another time. The impact continues. But what she said was, out of that, one of the things that is a part of the African-American faith context and culture is the tradition of knowing how to cry out to God. Because when you don't got anything else, and there isn't anybody else on your side, You learn how to lift up your voice. Let me say something very clearly. You and I may feel at times like we are powerless, but we are never helpless because we always have a help to turn to. We might not have any power, but we've got one who helps. Rich in faith. To inherit the kingdom he promised. But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Come on, think about it, people. Who are you? You know, why are you discriminating in this way? Don't you understand the realities of what's really going on? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law in scripture, here's the great commandment embedded right here. Love your neighbors yourself. You're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all of it. Anybody here ever broken any of the laws in the Bible? Any of them? Even one? Guess what? You're a sinner. So am I. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you don't commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. He's using this electricity to say, you know, you may not have done either of those two things, but if you've shown favoritism, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment, listen to this, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy will triumphs over judgment. I've shared this before several times, but let me remind you again. Somebody did a study once, and I I think they're right. They actually did a survey of hundreds of people in all kinds of different, this was church people, by the way, in churches, did a study in churches. And here's what they discovered. They discovered that 80% of our thoughts about Ourselves and other people are negative, critical, and judgmental. 80% of our thinking is negative, critical, and judgmental. Now, who in the Bible is spoken as the accuser of our souls? Who is that? Who is it that is always negative, critical, and judging? if 80% of the time we're agreeing with Satan, we've got troubles, don't we? We need an attitude adjustment. We need to start catching ourselves. And allowing the Lord to begin to discipline our thoughts and our attitude. So I have some very simple questions for you this morning. My first question is this. How do I view... The other. Now, who is the other? Anybody? Who's the other? Who's the other? Anybody who ain't me. Anybody who isn't me. You know, everybody knows who those people are. Right? Them. We're us, but, you know, it's those people. Them. How do you view the other? The way somebody dresses, the way somebody talks, the way somebody thinks, the way somebody eats or lives, whatever. How do you view the other? How do I view the vulnerable and powerless? man, I wonder what they did to get themselves in that state. Hmm. I wonder, yeah, you know. (laughs) How do we view the other, the vulnerable, the powerless? Let me share something uh, personal about this. And it's directly related to this house. We're a house of prayer for all nations. So our call, part of that calling, comes out then from, um, where am I at? Isaiah 56, thank you. Isaiah 56. Foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord, to worship Him. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord. And here's Here's my confession to you. Here was my mindset. My mindset was, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you that you're bringing all of these people from other nations. You're bringing all of these foreigners to this house to be with us. You're bringing them to be with us. And one day, not all that long ago, a few months ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, guess what, buddy? You're a foreigner, too. Because when this was written, this was talking about Jews and everybody else. So maybe Judy's the only one who's not a foreigner. She grew up Jewish. I don't know. But that was a deep conviction in my spirit. I remember several years ago when someone who who was a part of this congregation spoke to me very lovingly, very lovingly, but just said, Pastor... When do we no longer have to be labeled as a refugee? (laughs) Ouch. The wounds of a friend are good, they bring healing. How to repent. You get this? It's really important. There's attitude adjustments that have to happen within us. Because we're not welcoming foreigners into our church. We're all foreigners being welcomed into his church. Whatever our economic condition, our background. Does this make sense? I hope this is ministering to somebody other than just me. How does God do this? How does God view the poor and the powerless? How does God view the other? Read the scriptures. We're going to read one in just a moment. And how can I receive then God's heart for the poor? Let me me read the scripture and then come back to that question. I was reading along in in our readings in Deuteronomy this week, and I came across the scripture and I went, whoa, here we are. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. That was kind of one of those he touched me moments for them, like God spoke to me and said, you're all foreigners, you're a foreigner too, you're an alien too. So how do I receive his heart for the poor for the vulnerable, for the powerless. I receive his heart very simply the way we always receive his heart. We receive his heart by receiving his word into our heart and by allowing his spirit to begin to shape and form his character, his attitude, his perspective in us. Yesterday Noah and I were coming back, we'd we'd been out doing some stuff, we had to drop Estimone off, we were doing this, that, and the other, we were traveling all over and we were driving down Marshall Avenue, Noah and I were, uh, the, the ones left in the car, and we drove by Higher Academy over here on Marshall, and there were hundreds of Muslim people there. Celebrating graduations. Many women in full dress, burqa, the whole, you know, and how do, I, how do I view that? What do I think about that? How do we think about these things? How does God think about them? He looks at them like he looks at us He is passionately, wildly, head over heels in love with them. Just like He is with you. He's passionately in love with you. He longs for nothing more than relationship with you. And He longs for relationship with the other just as much as He does with us. And He shows no partiality and He doesn't take any bribes. Well, I was born an American. Yeah. You know? My parents were Christians, okay? I slipped five bucks into the offering plate once. That count? You get it? People we've got to get God's heart here. I shared this a few weeks ago, but I just feel like I need to share it again. I you know, had the the honor and the privilege and the challenge of speaking at my 23-year-old nephew's funeral. He died of a heroin overdose. And um, at his funeral, it was a room like this. It was packed. There was people all along the walls. There was, You know, 80% of the people were, I'm sure, in recovery or had been or were currently. 80% of that 80% were 30 and under. And, I mean, these folks were not the folks that I normally spend my life with. But when I looked at them, I saw how beautiful they were. How precious they were. How valuable they were. I mean, I can't tell you, I can't describe to you. God just opened up and broke my heart. And it changed me. And he's still changing me. so I just want to invite you into the same journey with me because I'm with you. We're all in this together. God, change our attitude. Can we just say that? God, change my attitude. Lord, change my attitude. One more time. Lord, change my attitude. Please, God. But it doesn't end there, of course. Because when there's an attitude adjustment... It requires action. This is what the Lord requires of you. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He goes on, James, in chapter 2. 14 to 17, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So I have four questions that I want to ask you in this area of action. And they're connected into the four words that I shared with you last week. And Peggy, be ready if you would to share with us in just a moment. What assignment has the Lord given me and us as it relates to his concern for the poor? What assignment has he given to me? What assignment has he given to this house as it relates to the poor? The poor are all around us. The vulnerable are all around us. The powerless are all around us. God, where are you taking and leading me? Where are you leading us? That's for me and my house. Part of the way God... I mean, there's numbers of ways that God has sown our lives and the assignments he's given us in this area. And we're, we try to be very intentional and deliberate about it. We need to understand, and I think we do understand here. I mean, we do have a call and an assignment here in this house to minister to the refugee, to the alien, to those who are coming in who are vulnerable and powerless who arrive here. And God has given us capacity and specific clarity about ministering and speaking into and and, and actually practically stepping into helping. I'm going to pick on Alan for a minute. I mean, Alan's incredible. Do you all know Alan? He's an amazing guy. He is. Did you know that you were you were an Olympic kayaker? Did you know that about Alan? He was an Olympic kayaker. Amazing. Okay? He teaches driving. How many how many new folks to our country have you taught to drive? Thirty or more? He's the man. To get by calm. That's part of his assignment. Okay? I don't have that assignment. Okay? That one I don't have. All right? And the whole world's happy I don't have that one because they probably don't want to learn how to drive like me. All right. What practical adjustments do I, we need to make to come into alignment with his heart and purposes in that concern. You know what? You're going to have to adjust your life. One of the assignments in our house that we've figured out is we're called the hospitality. That means there's a lot of people in our house. I was making pancakes this morning for a bunch of young adult kids who needed to be fed today. I was doing that instead of being here at pre-service prayer, sorry. But Swedish pancakes were the priority this morning. Okay? And I'm not saying that to go, oh yeah, I'm just trying to give you, but you have to adjust. I mean, my wife is incredible. We got married 28 years ago yesterday, by the way. Yeah, I was telling the boys last night this is one of my you know, key thoughts for those of you that are thinking about Mar- marry well marry well 30 years for this, these, this couple right down here alright Tom and Kathy marry well I'm married well some people when they think about you know, we have 60 people over to our house for lunch people go <gasps> I feel the big one. My wife just goes, okay. All right? Not everybody has our assignment, but we do. And it takes adjustment and alignment. What anointing, what capacities has He given me to fulfill this mandate? Part of what I figured out is my wife grew up in a family of 12. There was always 16 people living in her home. She doesn't mind a crowd, and she's an introvert. But she's okay. It doesn't freak her out. What's the capacities? What anointing has he given to you? And where do I and we need to live and step out in his authority? Then, then we've got to take a step. We've got to do something. Peggy, come on up, please. I need the mic. Um, we're just going to give you one practical example of this something that happened through one of our partner ministries last year called the King's Banquet, and they're doing it again this year. And by the way, this morning, because we're coming to the table, we'll be receiving our benevolence offering, and so I'm going to ask the ushers to be ready at the end of the service with plates because our benevolence offering is going to help with this uh, outreach opportunity and ministry. So, yeah.
1: Last year, um, our our ministry, the, the people that I that uh, minister with with Trinity Works, we've been praying into um, God's mandate to, cl- oh, can you hear me? God's mandate to care for and love the poor. But how many know that you can't care for and love anyone unless the Holy Spirit gives you an anointing and, a, and his love and his heart for that, intervi- that individual or those, the people group that you're reaching out for? We can't muster it up on our own. So, how do you get a heart for the poor that feels big, huge, overwhelming, and ambiguous? So, we as a ministry went after God and said, God, how do you want to demonstrate your love to these people through us? And how can you first transform our hearts so that we can even be worthy vessels of this assignment? So, God used the the king's banquet last week, or uh, last year, to change us. He did it to change us. He did it to bless the people that we got to minister to, but he did it to change us. 25 women that I worked with chopped 300 pounds of vegetables and then cooked soup for the 250 that we served back here in this kitchen using the big booyah pots. And then we transported that soup down to um, Club Three Degrees where, where you're going to get to see what happened there. I've got a film clip for you to see what this experience looked like. Um, and then when we're done, I'm going to show you how you can be part of it, how you can partner with us and begin to see, uh, receive God's heart for the poor and walk this out. Thank you. So we got God's heart for the poor. We got to be there as through us God served them a beautiful meal, ministered to them. We washed their feet. We gave them clean socks. We told them that Jesus loved them and gave each one of them the opportunity to surrender their lives to the lover of their souls. It took about 200 volunteers to do that. And we're doing it different and even bigger this year. We're going to be at, on June 25th, at the Minneapolis Marriott City Center, located in downtown. The meal is being prepared by the hotel, served by... Um, the hotel staff, we have plans to minister to the general manager of the hotel, and in fact that that's already happening. We believe he's going to get saved. The staff will be briefed. The gospel's going to be shared with the staff, and then they're going to be there for the rest of the evening to participate. We'll have two to three table hosts at each table of eight, five guests and three saved believers um, there to minister and to talk and to share relationship with them. We will have, um, so our staff is gonna be bigger this year. And we, uh, there's three opportunities for you to be part of this. We need people who are interested in coming and serving and walking this out. God's looking for people who are ready to surrender days, hours, their lives to actually walk the walk get past the talk, and actually do it. You will be changed. You will be absolutely changed through this experience. And, and if anyone is interested, there's a flyer in the bulletin. Pull it out and take a look at it. Next is to, uh, is to mobilize, letting other people know. If you're connected to other ministries or other, other houses of worship, let us know and we can get information to you if you uh, have other churches in your in your life circle that, that need to know about this I have a couple of other promo packets with me that I'd be happy to share with you the third thing is to give and um, it's costing about $500 per table to do this last year it was no problem that whole event was so covered by God and this year it's double and we actually have the capacity to serve and reach a thousand people on the 25th of June our family is I'll just be honest with you our family is doing a table we're just we just are and uh, I, I invite you to, to consider giving to this if you if you hear from the Lord that you want to be a part of it in that way um, the flyers in there I'm so happy to answer questions and um, God be with you as you ask God for the, your heart for the poor Thank
0: you. I'm going to ask the elders and the ministry coordinators to come as we come to the table today. As we do, I want to close with this scripture in Isaiah, chapter 58, which uh, Pastor Sam is going to be preaching on this evening in Minneapolis. Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen, to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor and wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here I am. If You do away with the yoke of oppression and with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. And you will strengthen your frame and you'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. And you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. This is what this year of return is calling us into. And so I invite you to open your heart. And as we come to the table this morning to remember, to remember that you too were an alien. You too were fatherless. You too were poor. You too were vulnerable. You too were powerless. You too were desperate. Every one of us desperate without Jesus. But he came. He gave up all of heaven's splendor and riches and all of that which was his to rightfully claim, to come down to earth, to be among us, to be with us. He lived a perfect sinless life and yet went to a cross, a cruel, horrible death where His body was broken, where His blood was literally poured out to bridge the gap between us and God. He is the ultimate repairer and restorer. He is the redeemer who has come to redeem all humanity to himself. His desire is that none would perish. If you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus, maybe you know about him. Maybe you know about God. But I'm not talking about knowing about him. I'm talking about knowing him. Being in relationship with him yielding and surrendering your life to Him. Today you can do that. As you acknowledge your own sinfulness, your own powerlessness, your own brokenness, and coming to Him and say, Jesus, have mercy, forgive me. He's right here to do so. And you can take these elements this morning as a symbol of, of, of that sacrifice He has made for you. And you may make that connection with him both now and forever. Won't you turn to him? In the instructions that are given to us in 1 Corinthians 11 about coming to the table, we are told that we are to examine ourselves. We are to allow the Lord to examine us. We are to remember the body of Christ. And I believe that we are to remember His body which has been broken, His blood that has been shed for us. And we are to remember His body, our brothers and sisters. And in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is instructing them and exhorting them. And in fact, he is challenging them and he is rebuking them. Because when they come to the table, they are not considering one another. And so, God, if there's anything in our hearts between us and any brother or sister, Lord, come and bring healing and forgiveness today, now. Release us, Lord, from all judgments that we hold, that you might release us, Lord. We want to have mercy, that you might have mercy on us, God. Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us. So if you just hold the elements until all have been served, then we'll receive them together. Hallelujah. This has become to us the bread of life. This has become to us the cup of salvation. Receive from Him. And ask uh, Pastor Lidovic to pray the blessing over the elements, hold them in your hands and receive them.
2: Seigneur Dieu, Tichy, fidèle. merci. Merci, Seigneur, pour le sang qui versait pour nous, le sang qui joigne nous, Seigneur, dans le perdu côté de nos terres. Et à cause de ça, Seigneur, nous sommes capables d'espérance, le bonheur, espérance la vie et la vie éternelle. Seigneur nous reconnaissant maintenant en versant où envers la vie où avec corps qui était brisé sur la croix pour nous Seigneur et pour nous être capable Seigneur Dieu gagner la vie. Merci Seigneur pour rançon que vous payez pour nous. Merci Seigneur pour ta bonté, pour ta grâce. Dans le moment Seigneur, nous manger corps et sang ensemble Seigneur. Demandons au Dieu pour nous faire, Seigneur Dieu comme une coutume, mais pour le capable une réalité dans la vie nous Seigneur. Et réalité ça Seigneur, pour nous capable garder jusqu'à ce que ou va retourner ou va venir chercher nous nous dit merci Seigneur pour oui pas ça nous point bénis le pour nous Seigneur et fais le devenir vraiment Seigneur Dieu ton corps et sans le Seigneur qui t'a coulé qui racheté nous qui qu'il nous Seigneur Dieu espérons ça Seigneur nous compter sous et demandons que chaque monde qui pourra participer dans ce moment ça Seigneur est capable de sentir vraiment la vie Christ dans la vie chacun de nous Seigneur merci
0: Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink. Would you just open your hands to receive the benediction this morning? And now, Lord, I pray that you would fill each heart here with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son. With the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit. Be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours. Sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His favor and blessing over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home. I bless you, people of God. I bless you. I bless you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.